All right, here we are on the post show. So I don't know if any of you guys are paying attention to the whole Sam Bankman Freed uh, FTX thing that's going on. Uh, have, did you know that uh, PJ Vote started up a new podcast? Who? The guy from um, Reply All? Nope, I have no idea who oh. that is. Oh, well, he did a whole thing on uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff. It is called. Did you catch him? Good job. I caught one. Caught one. Now he's dead. Um, the, the new podcast is called Search Engine. Is that what you've been listening to this last no, couple of days? No, I've been listening to Scott Sigler. But um, he's done a whole bunch on it, including Sam Beckman Free. Mm. So, well, I mean, my feeling on cryptocurrencies hasn't changed in the many years since. since you know, they started it. I think it's been reinforced. If anything. Um, but what was interesting was not... I mean, I, I can talk... What? I'm just making faces at Shannon for rustling her. It's going to be rapper. AI. Yeah, I know. It's not even going to be... Well, that's up. why I didn't say anything. I was just making faces. I knew I'm there wasn't going to be any noise. Just having fun. So, I... I uh, you're not allowed to have fun. Sorry. <laughs> no Sorry. Fun. No fun. Uh, so, I'll chew in my mouth open. What was interesting was I was having a conversation with, with somebody about this, and um, they were mentioning how it, weirdly, like they were advertising on like tw- on what was Twitter <laughs> at the time that they were just like popping Adderall and other amphetamines like candy, uh, and. This person made a comment like, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing that stuff like uh, during work. You do that for fun. And and my thing was, you know, we have not only an entire kind of industry, but we prop up countries because we want to have a steady supply of coffee. And look, you can make coffee taste delicious. But that's not why we do it. <laughs> coffee is, and you mentioned coffee earlier. Coffee is just like a it, it is a it is a complete stimulant that we use to make sure that we can do the work that we need to do, or and, not kill people. Or, or, in my case, <laughs> and it, it is it is insane how much of our economy is dedicated to making sure that it's available. And we have easy access to it. And there's a there's a portion of that of that that is dedicated to making it so it tastes good, so we can make it also taste good. But again, that ain't why we do it. No, <laughs> that ain't why we're spending so much no, money. It's on. not why Starbucks and McDonald's sell mm-hmm. more coffee right. in an hour than all of the good tasting <laughs> coffee does in a year. <laughs> How did you put Starbucks and McDonald's coffee together? You know what? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I think is right. Who's the second biggest coffee seller in the country? If it's not McDonald's, then... I think McDonald's is probably the first. They Mm -hmm. might be. McDonald's coffee has... It was for a while like the the you best. You don't like, go for the coffee, though. You go for the coffee. People did. People did. For a while, that was McCafe. Like the 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 rebranded it. I know. It's no longer trucker coffee. I think Starbucks overtook them, but like, but before Starbucks, McDonald's coffee was kind of nationwide. Something that people kind of were attracted to. Like the, 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 it was a consistent, yeah. not bad. It was always coffee. fresh yeah. for sure. 
It was definitely fresh, but... It's, it's not great coffee by any means, but, it, but it's not terrible what you'd get if you went to a gas station. Or, or, or you had it work because nobody... Back from disaster. Yeah, the, I moved my <laughs> laptop and I had a loose plug over there and it was really loud when the soundboard went out. Yeah. And yeah. I was, was going to search about like who the biggest coffee retailers are in the country and uh, cause disaster. So. Yeah, well, we shouldn't care then. So one of the things interesting about these dice that I'm trying, that I'm looking at is so like on, on a you, you notice especially on a six sided die that the op the sh- both the opposite should add to seven right so on one side is the one the other side is the six yeah uh, five and two and that's traditional oh, um, didn't notice that well I didn't look at them yeah as well, closely that, if, if you look at any any die um, any like six sided die you'll notice mm-hmm. that and that's traditional for for most die like for example on this uh, eight sided die. Uh, the eight and the one are opposite, and the three and the six are opposite, so they're all going to add to nine. On these other ones, though, that doesn't quite yeah, how can follow you do that? through. Uh, there's not really a way to do that. Like, the five and the four mm-hmm. are are opposite on this one. And on the... Uh, this is the seven-sided die... So, like, on the opposite side of the three is the two. On the other side of the, of the six is the one. Mm. So, it's, it's interesting, mm. right? I mean, I I assume that they're right and that this is as fair as, as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that that's how they had to do it. Yeah. Um, like, for example, on this is the nine side. So, on the nine, the opposite of the, the nine and the eights are flat. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is... So we have a four to three opposite. We have a two, and well, this one's hard to do opposite because it's yeah, seven sided. It's yeah. It's not really even an opposite. Yeah. The the two sided though, totally checks out. On the yeah. opposite, the one is a two, and the yeah, yeah, two is the one. Definitely yeah. the opposite there. So. I do remember that. The ten-sided die, yeah, okay, so, yeah, ten-sided die, ten and one, the opposite. Eight huh. and uh, eight, eight and nine are, are opposite. Hmm. Interesting. Just something. Just something. I, I searched for, like, the largest coffee retailers and sellers and things like that. Starbucks. Starbucks is number one. Well, of course. McDonald's isn't coming up in any of the lists. Mm. I'm, I'm not surprised, I, I mean, but I think, like... It's not- but like if you went back coffee. to 1980, like what would it look like? Well, I'm wondering, are they not in the list because they don't weren't being in the list, or no, yeah. or these lists are just like coffee places? Duncan is by far the number two. Absolutely, I knew. I called that when I mean we just by being in Boston. If you there's a Duncan every every single corner. Of every yeah. Um. I think it's the fact that. The McDonald's isn't a coffee house. It's right, but if you added up the coffee that they sell, would they be on the list? I don't think so. No, no. I don't think anymore. No. But I think they would have been. I mean, remember the big hot coffee lawsuit that you know from all. Yeah. 
and that was still at the time when I think McDonald's coffee was pretty thought of pretty highly. Hmm. See, I was thinking more of since they did McCafe and do 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 do. Yeah, well, they they try to you know they've lost a lot of market share. I think to yeah. Dunkin' and trying to upscale and, their and, stuff. Now they have breakfast all the day, you know that kind of shit. So now I wonder if their coffee does get, like, that burnt trucker coffee flavor. Uh, since they, you know, it can't have be that any worse than their than their. Was it the McF- what? What's the thing that that always fails? There, there's something. There, there's a McDonald's thing. It, it's either their. I don't know whether it's their shake machine the or, or their. <laughs> Oh, the milkshake machines. The milkshake yeah. machine, yeah. There's something about it where it's like proprietary and it yeah. always fails and, yeah. and, and is a limited supply to people who can fix it. And there's actually like a, uh, like some federal agency is looking into it because of. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the milkshake machine. Yeah. Um, like, like right to repair kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like a franchise owner can't go out of the approved. Repair mechanism to fix their milkshake machines, and there's thought that there's like an artificial obscurity being uh, artificial uh, uh, not obscurity, but well, I guess kind of scarcity, scarcity, artificial scarcity. Yeah, yeah. Mm, McDonald's milkshakes, which aren't that great. No, uh, like I, I, I get people who like McDonald's fries because there, there's a uniqueness to them. I. And one of those people, mm-hmm. are, I do like McDonald's fries a lot. If you if you say, what fast food restaurant yeah. do you prefer getting your fries from? I'm gonna say McDonald's every time. Yeah, in terms uh, of deep fried sticks of potato, I think that yeah. McDonald's has a pretty interesting offering. <laughs> Tater tots for life, bro. Well, I mean, I, Tater tots. Fuck yeah. Tater tots. Fuck oh, yeah. yeah. I love tater tots. So much better. But, I mean, give me some really good Give me good a potato pancake anytime over a, over a tater tot. Oh, tater tots. Tater tots are, so are good just. Because they're crispy through and tater through. Tater tots taste like fifth grade to me. <laughs> and that's why fifth grade was tater. so good. You had some soggy tater tots. I had some real soggy tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. But I mean, the air fry even a, cri- tater no, a crispy tater tot <laughs> doesn't do it for me. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I like that you know in, inside of a, of a good potato fry, it's it's a mushy thing. Whereas inside of a tater tot, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You could get mushy, and if it's mushy, it's probably not great. It needs no. to have some consistency there. But if it's too much of a rod like consistency of the, of the potato, then then it's then it's bad. I think. That, it's so hard to do tater tots right, and I don't. I don't think I've ever had it perfect. And even if I did, I don't think I'd like it that much. Mm-hmm. If I'm at a place and they're like, "You want fries, sweet potato fries, or tater tots?" It's tater tots all day. Every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Tater tots for me, but or not tater tots, um, uh, fries for me. But uh, if I had to choose, you know, mayo for the for the condiment. Oh, for fries, yeah, yeah, ranch. For for tater tots or fries? For fries. Oh, okay. No. Um, malt vinegar. Another good one. Yeah, malt vinegar is good. Mayonnaise, though. Mm. Well, I'm Pulp Fiction. Yeah. 
<laughs> they cover that shit. It, I, it, it's like funny because Pulp Fiction makes it sound stupid, but it, it well, not that it sounds stupid, but to 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 Vincent, who is an uneducated and sounds who, absurd. Yeah, who is uh, who is not a not a man of the world. Uh, it sounds absurd, and, and he treats it like it's absurd. Uh, and and the only fear that I have is that some people will. You know how people like watched Fight Club and thought this is a model for how you should behave, as opposed to these people are idiots. <laughs> you know, you fear that people are going to be like May- mayonnaise. I I saw that in a movie, and that sounded the grossest thing ever. And it's like, dude, try it, give mm-hmm. it a shot. Yeah, it is good. So what else is going on, people? Well, I, you owe me a drink. Oh, yes. Um, oh. I'll get mixing. What else is going on? So I'm looking at... Uh, do, you, do you want me to play this IPA song that you put in? No. No. I That'd be it, a good... I thought it could be intro music if intro. we didn't have any other ideas. <laughs> the, the lyrics, especially towards the end, are kind of funny. Oh. But I don't know. I just came up and I... Like, I'm That's, cool. That's cool. That's um, cool. There's a topic I do want to get to. I I just I have a feeling that when I do get to it, uh, you're gonna zone out. Me? Yeah. yeah, probably. If you feel like that's gonna happen, then that's probably so. That's gonna happen. So I don't I don't want to to get to that until until, until I'm ready to you're like until you're like ready to leave anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be ready to take a shower Did soon. Did you know vermouth goes bad? Yes, that's why you put it in the fridge. Well, I it's a fortified that. wine. You put it in the fridge. We didn't know that. Yeah, now we know that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't smell like vinegar, so there you. Yeah, put your vermouth in the fridge, everybody, just like you would your pork. And use a vacuum wine wine stopper. On yeah, too. yeah, that that'll work too. Well, both. You should do. Well, yeah, I, I buy smaller do. things, so it's it's generally not like my vermouth is. Uh, the, you know, smaller things, so I I don't think it matters that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yes, if you have a lot, if you have a big thing to remove, then yeah, yeah. vacuum stop it if you can. But yeah, definitely keep it in the fridge. You never told us that before. You've seen it sitting there. I I didn't think about it. So yeah, blame me. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> uh, I only learned about it maybe a couple of years ago from Alton Brown. So there you go. Uh, but I didn't learn about cocktails until you know last couple of years is when I started to get into cocktails, uh, and I found them to be quite a bit more delicious than I ever thought they would. Yeah. I think that you. First of all, I think you have to grow into them because, you know, when you're younger, your taste buds aren't there for bitter stuff or things mm-hmm. like that, and. At the same time, it's it's a just it's a more complicated thing, and you're not as concerned with just getting alcohol into you. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's light beer in that sense, but it's also you. It's easy. You can you know if you get a, a sixteen ounce beer or something, you can drink it and you have some time. If you get a cocktail, you gotta you gotta nurse it if it's a good one, mm-hmm. and that can be hard to do. Especially because, in old fashioned. Yeah, especially when they're <laughs> really, really tasty. So, but they can be like just delicious. Uh, and 
Yeah, there, there's definitely an art to it, and the stuff I make at home, I cook way better than I make cocktails. Like, my cocktail skills are just ordinary, if Lightly not average. less than ordinary. You know, I think my cooking skills are pretty good. My, my cocktail skills are just like... Your, your cooking skills are... are thank you. Excellent. But my... Cocktail skills, yeah, no. It, it, I, I can I can make passable versions of cocktails, but it, yeah, that's... Uh, part of the problem is that making good cocktail requires a lot of, <laughs> of good ingredients and, and, and a lot of work with a lot of good expensive ingredients. I have... I've been, I've been collecting some things to have. Like, uh, I would have never had... And I haven't even opened it yet, but I have now Blue Carousel. Oh, um, I should get a good carousel, but I also have a blue carousel. You gotta have that. Yeah. Um, I have Orzo. This is a Greek sort of, um, it, 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 it you know, it's very Annecy. It, it, it has that, the, those and those to it. Um, okay. how do you pronounce it? Orzo, I believe. I've always heard of Uzo. But I'm I'm wondering if you have authority that it's not Uzo. No, don't take any of my pronunciation attempts to as anything but just how you know how it looks on a page to me. Uh, So what else? Um, Like what's a good what's a good cocktail you like? Uh, I mean, if you ask me what cocktail I want, I'm always going to say an old fashioned. A classic and very tasty. Yeah. Except at the Blackthorn Resort. (laughs) Tell that story. Yeah. That's where we camped at Maker's Camp Mm -hmm. last weekend. Or last week. And uh, Craig, you know? Yeah. You know him? Have have I mentioned him? Never heard of the guy. Okay. Well, he's this guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So... He, he says, you got to ask them for... We're at the bar. The bar that's mm-hmm. at this resort, which is not a resort. Okay. It's it's not one of those, like, five-star resorts yeah. that you would think. Um, it lives, let's just say it lives up to its name. Mm-hmm. Blackthorn Resort. What would you think of when you heard that? Uh, well, Blackthorns comes to mind. Blackthorns. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's this, it's a campground uh-huh. that's kind of friendly to all sorts of people. Um, they have these big motorcycle um, retreats or something up there because... They've got T-shirts that mm-hmm. have all this motorcycle stuff on them. In fact, our wristbands were f- our gold. We bought food passes for the time that we were there and the meal ticket, and we get wristbands for it. And it said something about some motorcycle. Catskill Mountain Thunder. Oh yeah, Catskill Mountain Motorcycle Thunder. <laughs> yeah. So, Whenever uh, I hear cat skills, I think of old Jewish comedians. So, it's uh, there's people who park a trailer there and have an annual thing, uh-huh. and then they build like decks onto their trailer and, or a whole house over it and around it. Like, and um, really, oh, sure, why not? It. 
Hey, you know, everyone. It's it's the people who choose to live in East Storm, New York, or most of them are choosing to be the opposite of New York City. Yeah. 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 New York's a very big state. Yes. There's, and it's not just New York City. New mm-hmm. York City is such a small part yeah. of that state. Such a tiny little dot but it's on that the state. Influence but of the New most York populated. Is, yeah. Is well, that's, that's the point is yeah. what gets representation, the, a mm-hmm. person or mm-hmm. an acre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. But, I mean, there's some really cool people up there. We met, I mean, we were at Jimmy Doresta's house. Yeah, there's a kind of like one of the original YouTube makers, Jimmy Doresta. He's the reason it's there. He lives just up the road. Mm. And uh, how convenient for him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make a festival outside of my house. It was actually a guy who works at the Blackthorn. Who pulled in Jimmy because Jimmy has connections with everyone. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's super cool. I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure the I mean, point. He, no, I was with, just but. saying it, there were some really cool people there that live there. And, and I mean, he's one of them. He's a really cool person. And he's then, got. But what was the cocktail that you had there? Because you said you could oh, go fashion. That's oh. what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, you totally that's lost the we, thread there. I don't there. know what happened. <laughs> All right. So ADD. let me paint the picture. There's a bar, mm-hmm. full bar back with bottles of booze and everything. Yeah, everything. And From bu- up draft and beer, top and shelf. canned beer, and wine. And so Craig said, order the quarter booze, like the large, the tall. The tall comes in like a soup takeout container it's a quart a quart and it has a lid mm-hmm. and, and a it straw. has the, a, a hole in it for a straw but it is a quart soup quart of container liquor. and you get a whole quart of liquor Not bad. so the i was like okay well, sure i mean it's craig he's i'm gonna do what he tells me to do and like drive us. He nuts. runs a cult. He does. He runs just, a cult. It's funny how the, this runner just keeps going, it and, and and it keeps just getting more. I'm like, gonna make sure that it does. Too. <laughs> so, um, I'm like, all right, fine. And the first cocktail comes to mind because it's my favorite cocktail. It's my go-to mm-hmm. if I go to a restaurant and they have shitty wine and they have shitty beer. I'm gonna order an old-fashioned. Um, so I tend to think that if, I, if, if they have shitty beer and shitty wine, I'm going to get a shitty old-fashioned. Well, well <laughs> typically, you still get a decent old-fashioned. because no, you don't. You've had so you're... many bad ones. Oh, have I? Like, yes. my go-to, like, yeah. at a wedding or something like that is a... Is a vodka tonic. A tonic. Yeah. Well, so, so you're I did really switch delaying it up. The story. I'm sorry. You ordered the old-fashioned. I, I ordered it. And what did the bartender say? She's like, I don't know how to make that. Mm. Yeah. And I just like, looked at her like... Am I on candid camera or something? <laughs> Haven't you because, seen Mad Men? Did, did, who like... doesn't know how they make an old fashioned that is Works a bartender? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, so I told her how to make like a normal size. <laughs> mm-hmm. and But I guess she forgot that you ordered a tall. So she brought over a normal size. Yeah, she brought over a normal size. But it, so she didn't oh, ice I, it I properly. Forgot, I forgot to tell her how to ice it. Yeah. So she brought it over room temp. It was room temp. It was. <laughs> Just the the whole thing was just mm. like that founders bastard beer we had tonight. I mean, great <laughs> comparison. Do you remember which what bourbon was in it? Uh, it was actually a good 
good bourbon, wasn't it? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was a good bourbon. Speaking of bourbon, why don't you describe what it is you made? Oh, I uh, made a Boulevardier. Uh, I've, did I make one for you before? Or were we just talking yeah, about you it? made one. Before, uh, I think mm. yes, I think you last did. time you were up for karaoke, I made you a Negroni. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the Boulevardier. So they're similar. They're cousin drinks, right? Because mm-hmm. they have Campari as the main. You've come around. You didn't like the Campari flavor for a long time. It takes getting it's, used to. Campari a, is a is a lot. It is. <laughs> but it's also like as a sipper, it grows on you. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised you said so good. I didn't know you'd come mm-hmm. around the Campari. So it's um if you've had Negronis, you know, they're a gin based drink which mm-hmm. has which features Campari, which is this this bitter arrowroot uh liqueur. Um and a Boulevard ADA is the bourbon version of that. So it is uh, two parts bourbon, one part Campari, one part vermouth. Right. I went a little light on the vermouth on this one, uh, just a hair light. Um, I think orange bitters would be really good on that. So the way I was taught, or the, I taught, the way I read was mm-hmm. that uh, a, um, a Negroni is one, one, one. Gin, vermouth, Campari. A uh, Boulevardier is one and a half bourbon to one Campari to one vermouth. Okay. That's what... The but, New York Times said two to one to one, so that's what I made tr- tonight. Trust the New York Times over me, because I was explaining before <laughs> yeah. while you were making it, I'm, I'm not good at making yeah. cocktails. I, I wasn't sure the, the, the ratio, so I just Googled it real mm-hmm. quick, and the New York Times came up, and that's the one I made. So. Sure. I'm sure they're... This tastes great, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Campari is kind of a bitters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe orange, like you're saying. Uh, I an orange an orange peel would be good here for yeah. the orange, uh, yeah. the orange oils, yeah. but the bitters would overwhelm. Be too bitter. Yeah. 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 Orange looked, peel. I looked for oranges oranges in the fridge, but we're out. We're so. out. We're out. Lemon peel would also work. Something with the way, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Have I this. ever made you my uh, the the cowboy coffee cocktail? Yes, I believe <laughs> yeah. you have. Okay, yeah. that's I forget really what's good. in it, but yeah, it's bourbon coffee with beans. some crushed coffee beans, mm-hmm. and it's they're simple in it. I don't think there's ango in it, Angostura. I, can't, I have to go double check, uh, and then it's garnished with a lemon wedge. But it's crazy how muddling some coffee beans yeah. in whiskey, like how quickly the flavor diffuses. That's a really good drink too. Yeah, it is. Uh, Google it, cowboy coffee cocktail. Um, the top recipe that comes up is the one that I make, and um, I enjoy it quite a bit. One thing that's nice about having the Arrow Garden is I got mint all the time. It's like my mojitos. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, I love mojitos. That's a, I don't make a very good mojito, but um, it's fine. <laughs> I've had great mojitos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I go over what to... What rum do you normally put in? So I've tried like good rum, and it doesn't work it didn't work for me and so just bacardi just clear bacardi okay. is, is the stuff that i use i've i've used the cruzan so it's kind of mid shelf stuff it's pretty good um i've enjoyed those quite a bit uh this stuff's really good i'm not sure i'd, I'd want to make sure that i can taste it mm-hmm. in the cocktail this hidden harbor mm-hmm. hidden harbor is a tiki bar in shady side and they paired with maggie's farm they made this and this stuff is tits it's a- Good tits. Not tits. droopy tits. No. 
<laughs> what are you saying, Greg? I'm just like. I can't get it open. On the scale of tits. You don't need to get it open. Bad, thing, bad it. things will happen if you open it. No, I just won't smell it. Bad things will happen if you open it. Tits are always great, but droopy tits aren't as great as like perky tits. Yes. True. Droopy tits and droopy dick. <laughs> I mean, they both suck. Yeah. You don't want either one of them. And, uh, like I said, there, it's not It's not a no-go. <laughs> it, it, it's not a... It, it's not a... It's not a, you know... Yeah, it's a good rum. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not like game over, droopy tits, but it's just like... Game over is with a droopy dick, though. <laughs> <laughs> Someone with a droopy dick can still eat you out. Right? Yeah. So, you know. True. And they can grab a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, how did we even get you here? You brought it up. I did not. You brought you up brought the tits. Dick. No, no I, said, I said the said tits. I said, the rum is, I said that uh, the rum is tits. The rum is tits. Yeah. And then you went on you went droopy. And then, but you brought up the dick. Well, because well, he's talking about droopy Because I was talking about tits. But the thing what? is, like, I have droopy tits. Like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, tits and dicks are different. I... <laughs> I didn't say droopy pussy. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> no, that's flabby. Right? You can droop. Does it get droopy? I've seen or droopy ones droop. on the you on droop. the YouTubes or the the X tubes or the whatever tubes <laughs> on the YouTubes. <laughs> this has just gone. Yeah, just there, there, there was a sideshow. Such an after show. Droopy pussy. Can we just? <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> This is <laughs> Why hasn't there been a rap about droopy pussy? Why are we I still mean, having this been conversation? Wet, wet ass pussy. <laughs> so let's go back to I don't know, Craig. <laughs> Does he have a droopy dick? I would or not a droopy know. pussy? <laughs> what about Rebecca Black? That's a conversation for another day. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> cocktails. Yes. Do you like the cock or the tail better? <laughs> There's a bar in St. Pete, Florida, mm-hmm. named Cocktails. <laughs> I just recently learned about cocktails. this. That was a DuckTales joke. I know, know, but there may be somebody who didn't get that reference. I'm trying to think of, like, the verse. Like, I can't believe it's it's eluding me right now. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It's something, something, adventure. The danger works behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. Scary song. I mean, jeez. What to do? Just grab onto some ducktails. Woo! Oh, jeez. Ducktails. Ask Perry about it. Oh no, I. Well, I can talk to you about Transformers, which are more than meets the eye. Her brother is eight years younger than she is, Mm -hmm. so her brother was watching Ducktales. Yes, he was. Transformers, and she's eight years older. Like what the. Fuck. You know. Yeah. It's like, can you just put on like 
So there's a Bugs Bunny. Please. This reminds me of so there, there's there's a there's a story that um, uh, over the Cape when when I was with my sister and, and my parents and we were just talking about some funny shit that happened in our youth and I remember and I remember this thing and she did too which was um, it, it there's a tragedy that happened but the point of the story isn't so much a tragedy it's more the family dynamics between me and her the tragedy was the challenger disaster oh yeah. so that happened when, when we were both kids uh and i was in high school yeah and um and and she, she's older than me so we get home and you know she watches the stuff and i go upstairs and i start watching my cartoons uh, and then she complains. We we joked about this. Like it, it was, you know, you know, kids do stupid shit. She complained to mom to to my parents that I wasn't watching the Challenger explosion. And my excuse was, I've seen it a hundred. You know, why do I need to see it over and over and over again? But what I also told her this time was, yes, like I th- there was a truth to that, but also. Whatever cartoon I was watching was the fourth repeat of Transformers, I'm sure. Like, it was, <laughs> I, I was not, it was not like a new episode of something that I was like, oh, I have to see to, 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 to understand what happens in, in Optimus Prime's journey, right? Mm-hmm. It was, <laughs> it was, it was the silliest shit from both of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought that was funny. And now, then, your sister being like, you've got to be a citizen and, and, Take part of the national tragedy is is an interesting. Again, we were kids, and it was a rivalry thing. Mm-hmm. It was not like I've talked about how my sister and I were, you know, four years and four days apart, uh, and um, and there was a lot of tension between. We never like I guess when I was really young, it was fine because. I was a baby and she was four years old, and, you know, and that was great. But we never got along at all when we were in the same house. And then as soon, like literally as soon as she went to college, our relationship improved dramatically to the point where we we're really, really close. Uh, so it, it's it's interesting how that happened, but it is funny to look back on how just like against each other we were. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and. The, the the reason why it was brought up was because it was like one of those funny stories that like when I think back to how much there was animosity towards each other and now it's like now she's one of the people I care for most mm-hmm. and it's just like it's so weird to look back and be like what was that all about and the and this moment what had had enough of a resonance that we both remembered it very well. Mm-hmm. It was just cool to, that that you know I came to the realization in the moment that yeah I was just probably watching some repeat of a cartoon I'd seen twenty times already, <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't have much of a leg to stand on. No. But you, how many times can you watch a giant fireball in the sky? So, I mean, like these days it would it, it would fascinate me. And I'd be dissecting yeah. it, right? Yeah, you'd be like, "Can I get a new angle? Can yeah. I do that? Yeah, let's look at that frame seven forty three eight. There's some, there's some, you know, smoke coming out of this here. What? It, like, I, I would be entranced. Um, I mean, the tragedy, of course, would be there, but 
Um, mm-hmm. So, so it, it probably would have been hard at the time to be entranced by it, but there would have been still those intellectual, like, what's going on, what happened here type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I just wanted to watch my cartoon stories. <laughs> my DuckTales woo-woo, as they say. As they say. Yeah, very... For some reason, I was home from school watching it live on TV when it blew up. And I remember asking my mom, what happened? What what, uh, what happened? You know, like, what happened? She didn't know, but, like, I need to know what happened. You guys couldn't see it from here, right? Yeah. Oh, no. We were, I mean, I was in uh, well, D.C. Oh, okay. You, know, you or, can or, only or, see yeah. it from no, I, I mean, 400 miles away. You can yeah. see. I, I mean, I was, so I was at school, and... Um, I don't know if it was lunch or if I was just out. I, I, who knows? Because I wasn't at school that often. I skipped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but in high school. But um, standing outside um, the school at the time, back then we could smoke cigarettes as long as we mm. were not. That's a cool school. In the school. And uh, so I was smoking a cigarette and we watched it. We it was at 11.39. Literally watched it. Blow it. So yeah, it was lunchtime. Yeah, so it was our lunch break. But I stood out there and watched it blow up in the sky. So my memory, and I don't know how. Like at this point, it's hard for me to to reliably say that you know that this is actually what happened. I can just tell you what my memory tells me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems very much based on what I remember that I was in elementary school. I believe I was in either fifth or sixth grade, uh, and. I was not one of the people who watched it. Who uh, I think I, I I knew about it. I was still interested in that kind of stuff. But I, you know, there were classes that that watched it, but that was not a class that I was in. I, I suppose I remember somebody coming up to me and saying, "Did you hear what happened to the space to the space shuttle?" And the first thing I said was. Yeah, they're, they're, they're launching a teacher into space. Mm-hmm. And then he told me, no, it blew up. And that was like, what? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's... And, and then my memory kind of yeah. drifts off. I don't know anything about what happened after that. But I do remember that moment. Or at least my memory tells me that that moment happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the extent that that is real, I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's... What I remember. Interesting. It, 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 you know, weird, weird thing to experience when you're yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah. But Definitely. easy for me to distance myself from at that age. Yeah. My so what was really neat too? Not neat. I don't know, but just weird um, coincidence. My son, my my son Tristan, my middle child. He, um, his third grade teacher, she was a student of the teacher. Oh, of Chris McAuliffe? Wow. Yeah. She was in her class that year. Oh, God, that must have been horrible. Yeah. Can you imagine? Because I'm sure they, like, were, they, everyone was... Everyone was in the classroom watching it on uh-huh. TV with, you know, a substitute or the principal. Uh-huh. I don't know. You know, but probably, um, probably auditorium kind of thing. The whole school, yeah, probably. it could have been. And um, yeah, 
So mm-hmm. from that that was very early, was either January or February, because that's the reason why it blew up was because those O rings. So I remember that it was the only reason I remember it was it, it was that is is because I know <laughs> what caused the accident, not because mm-hmm. I remember anything about the day. Um, but it, it so it must have been either January, or February. It was January twenty eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. I mean, in Florida, I guess that doesn't really matter, right? No, not usually. Yeah. I mean, you have those occasions. It was, days. you know, part of it was that it was unseasonably cold for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, happens a couple times a year. Yeah, I want to. I want to say that it got down into the forties mm-hmm. in the morning before the sun came up, and yeah, that was the problem. the The seals on the solid rocket booster stiffened up in the cool temperatures and didn't seal right. Yep. And it was not something that was considered in the safety aspect. The, the weird thing is, if, if you look at like the stuff that has been analyzed with, with today's uh, analysis methods of, of the shuttle, it's almost remarkable it didn't have more accidents. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was a whole bunch. I, th- I think that the they thought that there was a one in. 1,000 to 10,000 chance when they were doing the space shuttle, when they were doing the program, that it would, that, that something catastrophic would happen. And I think that the most recent one, it was something like 1 in 30. Oh. Yeah. It, like, ridiculously uh, awful systems, like, in place. But it was just not, it was not a good system based on what we know now. So, yeah, even though it was a remarkable machine, mm-hmm. like the building that machine was incredible, but it still was not the right design. And part of, it's a whole story behind it. Like they had to change it because they the the in order to get funding for it, the Department of Defense wanted to be able to use it for certain things. They had to extend certain things about its uh, payload bay and. And, and certain w- things about how it was launched. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of, of story about it. Like The Space Shuttle is a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, not the right way to design a spacecraft for humans. Uh, but it is, yeah, again, a fascinating story if, if you ever cared to, like, you know, go, go deep into it. Because, yeah. But it turns out that they were right in the 60s. Capsules was a great design. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what... I swear I was home from school that day. February, in January mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, my best snow day. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like there was just a tiny little bit of snow that day. Um, 11.39's that. too late for a two-hour delay. So I, I'm, I'm, makes me wonder, was I actually home or was... Was that I come home from school and think I was watching it live, but I have a very clear memory, maybe invented, but mm-hmm. a very clear memory of anticipating the launch, mm-hmm. watching the countdown, you know, and I don't think I would have had that had I was just watching a newscast, you know. It, it was definitely something I was aware of, because like I said, I, I knew, like when the kid came up to me in my memory, I knew that the, that this teacher was, was going into mm-hmm. space. I knew that was happening. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, so 
Have we? Uh, probably haven't talked about it. Have you? Are you familiar with For All Mankind? Yes. On Apple TV? Yes. Have you watched it? I watched like one and a half episodes and I was like, I don't. Really? Is, yeah. I get it. I get what they're going for, but something about it did not. And for, first of all, I felt that, that that first episode dragged like crazy. I mean, I, I get it. It's not the best acting. It's not the best pacing. Mm-hmm. The the plot, the sci-fi of it. It's the, neat that the they take all history. these like all these things that were like, like there, there's one where it, 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 uh, there was a legitimate proposal for it, a, a launch from the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they, I know they did that. I've yeah, seen like so clips and the, stuff. From it. So I'm not worried about spoilers for you. Complete, you know, yeah. um, the premise: it's an Apple TV Plus show. It's uh, alternate history where during the space race, the Russians get to the moon first, mm-hmm. and the Americans get there a few days later, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. But the 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 coolest part about this whole show is it shows. The evolution of technology in the lens of America not resting on their laurels after winning the space race. Because after the Americans won the space race, Russia kind of shut down. Like, there wasn't that competition after that, right? right? There wasn't really continuing competition. And, And for all mankind, you know, Russia got that front seat... They were more competitive, so there was more continuing competition. So certain technologies that um, exist today existed twenty years earlier in the show. You know. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. Keep going. So you know, it's 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 the the kind of the not the the main dramatic plot, but the technological thing is can be really neat in that show. And I know you don't yeah. want to watch a show just for that one little non... Like, for the subtext part well, of it, you know? Let me but, ask you this question, because I'm curious about this. I, like I said, I haven't watched it. I know that... I, I've seen bits of it. I, I've seen pieces where people are, you know, hey, look, they did this thing that you know, it was proposed. Mm-hmm. What, always, what, what always gets to me is that the Moon program was... Not really a science program. It, it was a propaganda thing. It was mm-hmm. it was taking modified and slightly enhanced weapons technology from ICBMs and 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 building tin cans for people to barely be able to survive to get mm-hmm. to things. And and we went there way earlier than we probably should have based on things. And we were lucky that mm-hmm. that no one got seriously you know like there was like with the apollo one or something like that but they we're lucky that that like but, apollo 13 happened and no one no one died from that the idea that we would keep pushing so much money into that sector of our economy mm-hmm. for the for what what is the gain that we get well, the way the show publish, like the way the show puts it together, is because there's continued competition on that. But they can they concede that. I mean, there is. I'm trying to think back, but I believe. I mean, when they have a moon base, there's mining on the moon. You know, so there's. For econ- what? I don't remember lithium. <laughs> maybe I don't. 
uh, helium three would be the first thing yeah, that comes to mind, but but you need to have but in order for it to be in any way useful, you have to have some usable method well, of fusion. I mean, basic, but that's there. You know the 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 plot. The I can the, see you're. The science, I can see you're losing interest. The science. <laughs> the science advice. The science imagineering that's mm-hmm. happening in the show is fun because oh, absolutely. You no, know, I'm not and, saying it's not fun. Yeah, and, and you know, sure, there's contrivances, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, it's been so long since I've watched some of them. Yeah. But like things like video calling like uh-huh. like teams and skype right like in zoom like it only became common in the late 20 teens you know yeah. here but it was and but it had i mean they had figured it out in like they had the figured 70s. Out, but it wasn't common yeah. right and yeah. but in for all mankind in the mid 70s everyone at least astronaut families mm-hmm. have video phones in their houses you know um and that was probably that was one of the more obvious ones that everybody got. That's a Back to the Future kind of wow. Yeah, that seems but, like a silly thing because that's the one I remember drinking, bro. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but let me explain. Like, yeah, in order for video technology to be widespread, right? I mean, like again, there were like in the eighties and I think even in the seventies that there was the ability to do this, but you had to a have a very good connection. Like, you know, ridiculously good connection with your copper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also had to have really expensive equipment that was not something that was, you know, mass manufactured, right? The, the ability for, for you know, Skype and FaceTime and stuff, what that had to have was mass manufacturing of cameras and, and mm-hmm. screens and stuff like that. The for that to be in other people's houses, let alone like, can, can you can you guess guess what company manufactures the video terminals? Kodak. In for all mankind. Kodak. What network is it on? AT and T. No, no. What 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 streaming service is for all mankind on? Oh, Apple. So they're all Apple mm-hmm. device. They're the they they look like Apple two E's kind uh-huh. of, but they have a, a this. Shaped oh, video screen. Oh, give me a screen. break! Like it's shaped, like a shaped like, like like a cell phone. I mean, it's 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 definitely portrait. Uh-huh. It's somewhat like this. Uh-huh. It has a huge ugly nineteen eighties bezel around it with the Apple logo, but but so they just took a, a phone and and put it in there because it was easy to make that. It, it seemed bigger. It seemed more iPod iPad shaped. Sure, but but, but, but it's it was, easy to make that as a prop. But it was yeah. But it was this aspect mm-hmm. ratio. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's easy to make that as a prop. Yeah. Um. Not because that, that's a realistic, but idea. yeah, but it was it was yeah back in the late seventies, early eighties. Apple was the AT and T telephone manufacturer of video phones, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. I mean, keep in mind that the, those old video phones had you know like analog cameras that were not CCDs like we have now. That I think <laughs> the, like some of the first CCDs. I mean, they, they obviously came before this, but some of the first like. Amazing CCDs were were launching the Hubble telescope. Like mm-hmm. that, that was where like a lot of this you know technology came yeah. out of. So yeah, having like flat cameras that can you know translate photons directly into images was not something that was mm-hmm. uh, available. So you had to have like legit. And I, I don't know if you remember, my parents had had a video camera with and it was connected to a VCR. This was probably this was in the eighties, I guess. And um, so this big camera with, you know, just huge mm-hmm. lenses and stuff mm-hmm. like that then had to be connected to another 
device that then recorded it. <laughs> and that was what we that was mm-hmm. a home that was a home video recorder. And it probably cost like at the time uh probably near a thousand dollars, which would have been like five or six or maybe even eight thousand dollars in today's money. Yeah. So and that was a that was a mass manufactured product too. Mm-hmm. So the idea that astronauts' homes would have something like no, they'd maybe have one at Mission Control and maybe in a lab somewhere. But the premise is, look how you know. There's other like it, it's a big old it's a whole commentary. It's not mm-hmm. just technology. Social things progress differently in the show. You know, women are. You know, the glass ceiling is way higher or shattered kind mm-hmm. of thing is what they're proposing. Like because and then and also women in tech in STEM are what much more represented, you know. So they're kind of showing the aspirational points of that. But you know, it, it's it's many parts of society how just alternative history. Um I we probably talked about a man in the high tower before. Back yeah, in the yeah, days, yeah, yeah. that's another one. I haven't seen that. You, one. you probably would like it. Um, it's alternate a, universe. It's an alternate universe yeah. where the uh, Germans win World War II and actually mm-hmm. occupy. Um, Germans occupy the east coast of the United States, and the Japanese occupy the west coast of the United States. Oh, America still has some unceded land. But in then the there's a connection country. between our universe, right? They're, they're, yeah. Right? Isn't that how it works? Connection wasn't what isn't part of. Isn't there some sort of? I don't think so. I okay. think it's just a, a different history. I thought there was literally like a. a oh, I don't know if I watched the end of that series. Between. I, you know what? I I think I remember the cliffhanger where. The like character a type, you know, character met themselves from our universe. Or, yeah. Yeah. Maybe? I don't Maybe. know if you ever seen Fringe, but Fringe was an interesting show where it kind of it, it was it had a, a really weird and kind of dreary first season, and then it had a really kind of cool second season and an amazing third season, and then it kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, really amazing first half of the third season, but it part of the the idea was. It, and it, it slowly built to this, but by the end of the first season, you realize that there are alternate universes mm-hmm. and there was travel between them. And then that was sort of more explored in the second universe. And then the third, there was like literally people traveling between. It, it, it was it got really really cool. Uh, and and there was like different tech in 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 different universes, but slightly different. And there were slight like for example the. The World Trade Centers weren't destroyed in in the alternate universe, but the White House was. Um, the uh, the world the the Statue of Liberty was uh, its patina was removed, and it was it was so it was copper. Mm-hmm. It was the you know golden copper instead of mm-hmm. having the the, the there's there's these little subtle things. Yeah. Coffee was actually nearly extinct in the, uh, in the alternate universe. Oh, it, you couldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, well, the reason I brought that up is it's all of the coffee is like a single species of coffee. And if there's a mold or something that runs rampant... You can, there are two. Two. Okay. There's, a, there's Arabica and there's a, the other one. No one drinks the other one, so... <laughs> Robusta. <laughs> Robusta, yeah. But Robusta sucks compared to Arabica. Yeah. 
So, like, if there was a blight on Arabica coffee, like, it's, it's again, a, it's not. Are, it, we don't drink it because it's delicious. Yeah. Like, we can make it delicious, but that's not. What yeah. We're. Now, people have talked about like there's a. It's not like a. You don't have to worry about it. Like, it, you have much higher risk of dying in your commute to work. And really, but the, like, but the coffee, road coffee supply could get wiped out. Um, but but uh, really, the, the but I work from home, so <laughs> the thing to be more worried Does about that is, changes the odds. <laughs> the thing to be more worried about is bananas. Because bananas, it's already happened to. Uh, if you ever have banana candy, mm-hmm. if you've noticed that tastes different than bananas that you're that you're used to, it's because the banana candy is based on a banana that called, I believe, the Gros Michel mm-hmm. that uh, w- has was destroyed by a fungal infection. Because they're all clones, uh, and this thing was just destroyed. And then another banana was found that was resistant. The, the to Cavendish, which Cavendish sucks. Which compared, to, compared to the the old one, totally sucks. Now there are apparently like artisanal Roche Michels out there, but they're hard to find. And mm-hmm. and the one that is is able to be manufactured big time is is the Cavendish. But there's another thing that that's they're trying to control it, but could destroy all the Cavendish bananas. Oh no! <laughs> I hope I'm dead by then. But like. <laughs> That's bananas, and frankly, we understand how bananas taste. We can make things that taste like banana if we really need to. Jelly Belly's really good at it. And, and banana, like, like you said, the Cavendish kind of sucks as a fruit. It's not great. So a better banana would actually be a good thing for everybody if we could do it. Yeah, I've actually, I guess, watch YouTubes or listen to you or podcasts about, you know, like, trying. Because mm-hmm. there used to be... Five or six bananas that were marketed oh, yeah. as bananas, and um, look at how many apples you can get in the store now. Yeah, but several of them are, are still around, but they're they're expensive, they're hard to get, you know that kind of thing. So basically, whatever show I was watching, some documentarian kind of thing, um, hunting for you know like three or four different kinds of bananas and the expense and all that yeah. stuff. So I love to try a roast Michel banana. That'd be great. But, yeah, I don't know where to get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. And then there's plantains. Ask Craig. I, I, I bet he would know. I text and him know, right now. Where can I find a gross Michelle banana? probably be able to tell us. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could find them in Stratford. Stratford upon Avon, where where uh, where Shakespeare's from. Stratford, Vermont. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where Noah Khan's from. Okay. Much more important. <laughs> there was a quote. Oh, so back to Bitcoin interesting with with, with, the, with Sam Bankman Free. The, there was a quote. So I don't know if you, if you follow any of this stuff, but so there was. A book written about him by uh, some guy that, like, the same guy who wrote, like, uh, The Big Short and um, uh, other things that were, you know, well, Mm -hmm. you know, things that were, like, well-loved books that didn't get turned into movies. And he wrote a book about Sam Bankwood Free, but it's, like, I hate geography. It's, like, it, 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 like, treats us kind of like he's a fucking hero. Uh, And this guy, this... Sam Bankman-Fried is not a fucking hero. 
He is not. <laughs> I could talk for hours He's about the, sh- go the stupid shit that he did. The the lying, the the nonsense behind the the uh, oh god the 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 what what was his effective altruism mm-hmm. right that that bullshit. I could go for hours and hours, but he made a comment and was like, it, it was put in this book about how he didn't he didn't like Shakespeare because he said I'm trying I don't have the exact quote here but it's something like what are the chances that the best person to ever write English was born way before most English people ever spoke so he was trying to use this Bayesian Mm -hmm. probability bullshit to say I don't need to read Shakespeare Mm -hmm. and it's like you're applying this logical bullshit to something that doesn't it, it, it the do, the domains are completely different logic by itself is just a way to be wrong with confidence if you don't <laughs> if you're not using it with like with any kind of uh backing and the whole thing his whole bullshit was using you know, Bayesian inferences and probabilities and shit like that. One of the things that was recently brought up was apparently, so in in, in the uh, trial, his uh, on and off girlfriend said that he had said if there was a, if he had the choice to make a 50-50 chance between either destroying the world or making it twice as good, he'd definitely take that bet. Would you? No. Oh. Neither would I. Because you have a 50-50 chance of destroying the world. Right. <laughs> like, none of your decisions should be based on that kind of rigorously uninformed and un... Just, just un... Uh, uncaring bit about how the rest of... How, how this affects anything else you know taking it in in an isolation as something and saying that oh the the effective you know you, you get such a better result if if you win so doesn't that beat the ch- and and the whole point is fucking no how could you possibly think that that's true and how could you write something that treats this person as a hero who thinks like this? Mm-hmm. It it just it is repugnant to make that kind of repugnant. Repugnant. I haven't heard that word in a while. Well, it's the one that I think fits. It fits, yeah. Just haven't heard it in a while. So yeah, I I'm just. Plus all the embezzlement and other Ponzi bullshit he did, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, if you heard the the interview. He was, he was, on, he was in a Forbes interview. This was sort of like a couple months before FDF f- fell, but there were, he was explaining, he was trying to explain to them what, what he does, and the guys at Forbes were like, so it sounds like what you're saying is you're in the Ponzi business and the business is good. <laughs> 
because he basically explained, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm doing a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, like, so, I mean, a big part of, um, so there was FTX, and then there mm-hmm. was the other company he ran, which had a coin. Almeida, right? Almeida Research. Almeida Research, and they had a coin. They had a, they had a. And it was. FTT, which was their. Right. And that FT, oh. Wow. You're breaking out the peanut butter. Peanut butter, I got some Reese's pizza, Reese's, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. And then the FTT was backed by some stable coin, something else. So. Well, FTT wasn't backed by anything. And, and, and well, no, no. It, well, went, it, went, it went one layer deeper before it was bullshit. But stable coins apparently are these, uh, oh my goodness, Fulman. <laughs> stable coins are a made up nonsense that right. people. Manufacture to prop up their other to prop bullshit. up their other stuff by pretending as if there is a backing of actual dollars that you can peg to it when there aren't, and they're easy to just create and and use as. I mean, you have to be a vault, a bank, right? You have to be. You have to have the goal. If, if a stable coin require you to. If it were legitimate, have the dollars. If it were legitimate, you could only have as many stable coins as you had dollars, mm-hmm. and then you could say, "Okay, each stable coin is associated, fungible as it may be, with a dollar mm-hmm. that you can get from." You know, I mean, as, let, let's face it: most dollars, like the vast majority of dollars in the world, are not physical, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, they are. Associated with a a number that's in a ledger that is, and if you don't have controlled the dollars stored, any other claim of being a stable coin is bullshit, right? I mean, is that basically? Yes. I mean, there's nothing I'm missing, right? No. And and the fact that people can just create stable coins and use them to. Like, without having any real backing and pretend like they have backing. How do they... All right. So, say I'm... Maybe <clears throat> maybe the premise is faulty. Mm-hmm. But say I'm a honest broker mm-hmm. who wants to run a stable coin. But I don't want to buy the dollars. <laughs> okay. Then first of all, your premise is faulty immediately. You're an honest broker who wants to run a stable coin. doesn't happen. <laughs> Give me a minute. Let me, get some, <laughs> let, me, let me ask the question. All right. I want to run a stable coin. If I wanted to run a stable coin and I got the reserves, then that can work, right? As long as it's a Craig coin. (laughs) If if I buy $10 of money, if I take $10 of money and put it in a bank or under my pillow Mm -hmm. or something, and then I make (laughs) 10 Jeff coins, and I don't make any more than 10 Jeff Mm -hmm. coins, that should work. Then in theory... And the ledger's small enough that, like, how do I how do yeah. I cover the cost of computing yeah. the ledger? Don't worry about that part. Then, in theory, you would think that in a market, your Jeff coin would be worth a dollar. Right. And that's what a stable coin's definition is. That's the idea behind a stable coin. But, of course, stable coins can vary because it's a market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and dollars Why mean would... different things in different places and in different times. And there's probably no value to invest in or to buy Jeff coin. Unless I strike some exclusivity deals with certain retailers, right? Right. 
Whereas getting dollars is easy. If you're, especially if you're doing it legitimately, right. it's really easy to do it legitimately. All right. So the people that are running stable coins pretend they're not just 100%. Okay. There's another faulty present, another faulty premise coming mm-hmm. your way. You run a stable coin, you don't have the reserves to back the stable coin, right. but you're still pegging it to the dollar. Yes. How does that adjustment happen? Other than just being bullshit. I mean, is it, is it so anything I, that's more than bullshit? I don't have enough economic yeah. know-how to explain, except in exceptionally simple terms, mm-hmm. why it's bullshit. And not in a way that will that I satisfy mean, it, Maybe the answer is as simple as, if you don't have the reserves, and you're trying to peg something to another currency, then it's bullshit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but aside from stable coins... What the, I think that there, I have an easier time explaining the FTT prop token thing, which mm-hmm. was, so they have this token that they said was kind of like a piece of stock in them, right? So they said, this token is backed by us. And, but they could make as many of the token as they wanted. And when they were, you and then they were taking loans out, real money loans, and using the fact that they had this token that was worth X amount on on this market as collateral. Well, the problem is, if you start to sell this token, the price goes down. So, if this token experiences a run, then the collateral is not worth anything. And if your entire, if all your business is backed up by this fake thing that is just propped up by people's, like, I should be clear, all money works this way. All money works on the premise that people assign value to it and that they are willing to trade that value as an abstract concept. Fiat, Bitcoin, whatever. Mm-hmm. At least with fiat money, if it drops to zero, you can wipe your ass with it. Bitcoin is nothing. None of these co- you can you can make an endless type amount of Bitcoin copies that are exactly the same, with you know slight exceptions in the hash or whatever, and. Why is there any, why would anybody put any worth into Bitcoin than anything else? And it's the same reason that people put worth into dollars, which is that it's, there are people who are using it as an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. They're using it, there are people who ascribe value to it. So it, so the whole argument of fiat is bad, (laughs) Bitcoin is good, doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever because... This, the very same backing is there, at least with the dollar. The backing is the U.S. government will, you know, the, this is the only thing you can use to pay U.S. taxes. And the U.S. government will enforce things and they will, and, and there's, there's a, like, enterprise behind the operation. What is there with Bitcoin? 
There is absolutely nothing. There is nothing. There is the fact that people believe it as value. Mm-hmm. And there isn't even anything physical. And as people have made hundreds of shit coins, hundreds of different coins, there's nothing particularly novel about Bitcoin other than it was like the first and most popular of this type of right. thing. So, and also, like, if your computer's, like, an EMP hits and everyone's computers are off, you can't do shit with your Bitcoin. At least, and as we said, most dollars aren't physical, right? So mm-hmm. you can't do anything with the, uh, you know, $42 billion that, you know, you had in, in, in the bank. But you could take your $1,000 of, of cloth money and at least say something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could say, oh, I have an asset here that, that I can sell. Right? I mean, like, there's things that are have some sort of tangibility. And the things that aren't tangible at least are backed by the same conceptual idea that the the physical money is in the sense that if you needed to, you could perceivably make enough cloth money dollars or mint a coin mm-hmm. that is worth that much, uh, you know, mint a trillion dollar coin that could be done. Mm-hmm. So, and that's backed by the government of the United States. And if the government of the United we States We should make fails, a trillion dollar coin. We should. That's been used as a way to, as a potential way to get around debt ceiling shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, is by minting. A, and I don't, again, I'm not it an economics guy. I don't Something about it. the, the, something different between coins and dollars, the reserve. There's some way it's, which the mint can make money that the, Fed, the Federal Reserve can order the mint to make, to make a certain mm-hmm. amount of money, and then that money is then. But why the mint and not the Bureau of Printing and Engraving? That's my question. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's one of those weird, like, recondite kind of things that you have to know a lot about a very specific bit of, of economics to understand mm-hmm. even that much. Like, even if you know, even if you really understand economics, you're still like this bit that's like, my, my comparison would be, uh, I really took a lot of time to, to, to learn and study the Higgs mechanism. A lot of people know stuff about particle physics, don't understand the Higgs mechanism, why would they? It's a very weird cul-de-sac mm-hmm. in in the particle physics regime. I think that this whole mint dollar thing is a, is a very weird cul-de-sac in an economic regime that you know smart people have looked at, and and, mm-hmm. and some people say it's useful, some it, people say it's don't. And, this it's is constitu- and, a constitutional way to do yeah, that thing. Yeah, and and, and like. And, and there's a lot of argument about it because it's never really been tried, and there's really kind of a legal question about whether it, I'm it mostly works. curious about why it has to be a coin and not a dollar bill. I remember when they were talking about this, mm-hmm. they specifically talked about how the mint has the capability. Yeah. I don't remember them saying, like, because if you're telling, if you want something to be catchy, right, it's, you know, a trillion dollar bill. Yeah. Not a trillion dollar Well, I, I think that, so weirdly, you know, I, I think that. You know, there, it's some weird regulation language that allows it, 
And it's also it's the the fact that this kind of weird regulation language exists is also sort of an explainer for why we have things like sovereign citizens, where people think that you can use words mm-hmm. as magic. Mm-hmm. I believe that that comes from people seeing like lawyers use you know words as like things that they don't understand, and it meaning something, and them thinking that there's a quicker way if you just learn the the magic words that will that will do it for you because there are in laws weird clauses and ways in which you can sort of dive in and figure your ways into weird situations those do exist because there's a huge amount of laws out there that's what lawyers basically do at least a good lawyer they a lot of a good lawyer's time is based on looking up a whole bunch of cases and finding out the weird intricacies and the ways in which you can take this and take this and put them together. Whereas the sovereign citizens are just like, oh, it's more like a magic spell. And if you learn like the the right the, the right combination of words, then you'll join my Patreon. Yeah, then you'll be able to get get away from it for free. But I, I think that. The answer to your question about why it is the mint is there is some weird, mm-hmm. like, in in the way in which it works, there is some weird laws that if you put them together, it will say that you can actually mint the coin and it would be mm-hmm. worth this much. And then it could also be used by the Federal Reserve to pay off debts. But not, but not a dollar. But you, it has to be a, a coin that's minted and not maybe... A bill that's printed for whatever reason. Who knows? Not a loophole, though. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that, that this kind of thing, and the reason why it really hasn't been done is because it, it probably won't survive legal scrutiny. Mm-hmm. It probably will be overturned, ultimately. Yeah. So it's more of like a a scheme as opposed to an actual method of solving a problem. Yeah. Sovereign citizens, yes. as you mentioned on real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, a certain kind of person who, like, feels like they're seeing in four dimensions. You know, like, they know something no one else knows. Mm-hmm. And, you know. It's it, really a community of people who, who believe that. It, and, and, it is. And, and, and they, they tend to follow the same politicians political uh, views and yeah, not always but they do tend to and, yeah. and it's it's a really a form of magical thinking that I think it, it's tied in with anti-vax stuff it's mm-hmm. tied in with you know spiritual crystal bullshit it's tied in with <laughs> um, flat earth mm-hmm. nonsense uh, where, where people think that they first I don't know it's weird because I think that when people are confronted with the reality of the world and all its complexity, it's easy to think, what the hell is this? Mm. And and to not want to accept that you don't understand stuff. And when somebody tells you, no, there's an easy way to understand it, it's this, this, and this, and you can understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. it feels like, aha, Everything. Oh, I see. That's that's all of religion, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Okay. At least religion, in some areas, 
has more depth to it that people have created. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, does it? Yeah. Um, no, there's community and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's what you say. Yeah. Like, you know, there's communities around yeah. religion. But well, there's communities around sovereign yeah. citizens, too, but I'm saying, like, there's, well, there, there's intellectual depth to certain, numbers. to certain types. Like, Catholicism is a very long... You know, tradition of, of intellectual depth. Judaism does, Islam does. Mm. That's not the same Catholicism, Judaism, or Islam that most people, most adherents follow. But there is a, mm-hmm. you know, intellectual breed of this stuff. Um, there's not an intellectual breed of, you know, flat earthers or sovereign citizens. There's no. There's there's no rigor there. It's more Alex Jones than it's it's wishful thinking. There's no intelligence involved. There's intelligence, but it's intelligence that that that's point that, that that's not aimed the right way and that's not treated in, in it, it's it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been groomed right. It, it it hasn't been grown in the right conditions, so it turns into weird splinters and, mm-hmm. and and things that are not that aren't able to comprehend or aren't able to understand the the limits to the knowledge that that they can get by going down these roads. Yeah. I mean it's like also like a you know belief in a global cabal kind of stuff. Yes. Like, like for example, I know a notary who just notarized some documents for a person of this kind of ilk who believes that there's some kind of birthright signed away to the government and if they revoke it and do this paperwork they'll get like hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. maritime law and, and and gold rim flags and and if you use your name in capital letters that's your that's your a name that is a corporation of you but uh, <laughs> Oh god, the whole the whole, you try to this it, it's because I went down the path of, of trying to to understand where flat earthers were coming from and came to the conclusion that there wasn't a way out of that because there's no there, there's no thread that you can follow. There is just a bunch of ideas that are sort of very loosely connected and if you try to like the thing about law the thing about uh technology the thing about science is it's a whole bunch of different threads of stuff but they all sort of come together and you can see how this influences that you this can be used to understand this this can be used to understand that it all kind of comes together Mm -hmm. uh there's none of that with with these Mm -hmm. with the pseudoscience well like this premise right it's every a natural born American or something along those lines. If they did these right magic steps, they could get hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this is a secret that only a few know. Right. Right. Whereas, I mean, there are plenty of like legit, I don't know if conspiracy is right, but legit like cabals where the 1% is absolutely like hoarding money and making sure that the laws that are made are all, Allowing them to keep money for them and, and their um, and their progeny. But that's a fact. But that's a fact, and that's supported by a whole bunch of evidence that you can point to and show how it all connects to each other, legitimately. 
Whereas you have to take a whole bunch of weird assumptions to make any of the other stuff work. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's there's there's. I will admit that like, you no one knows everything, and trying to figure out your way around some of these things can be difficult. But if anyone is ever telling you there's an easy way to do something complicated, they're lying to you. Or they're just full of shit. And they don't realize it. They're lying to you or or they they have been lied to and they believe it. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, the, the fact of the matter is things are complicated and there are this the thing that we try to protect from kids is not that there's a secret to the world but it's that we as adults don't understand the world and we're scared by it too right that's what you try to protect from you is not that i'm trying to protect you from i'm, I'm trying to, to hide from you the secrets of the world but it's the world is fucking scary for me too, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to, to not scare you by it. The world is scary to everybody. The world is fascinating and interesting and beautiful and terrible and all of that, and no one can understand all of it. And you have to rely on other people, and you have to, you have to actually like spend time and effort at things to get good at them and to. And you have to devote time to one thing, and that means you can't devote time to another thing. We're stuck in this world that is not perfect and can't ever be. And that is the tragedy and sort of the beauty of life. And when you try to say there's easy ways around it, you're just going to get yourself into trouble and get other people into trouble. I think that about wraps up the post show. I didn't even get to talk about any matter. Oh well, she can go to bed, and you can talk about any matter. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I can. Good night, Shannon. I, I can love give you. you a shower. Okay, I love you. Good night. I love you. I love you. I love you too. I love you. But like more platonically, but you get it. I mean, we get. To, I mean, I'm fine talking about any matter. Um, I'm just saying you wrap that up like it was like on script right there. So I thought we'd wrap it up, but no, antimatter. Tell me about your antimatter. Good night, Craig. Good night, Craig. Good night, Craig. Yeah. Good night, Papa Craig. <laughs> the cult leader. Oh, God, Craig. We're in a cult, aren't we? Yeah. Well, you know, everyone's in a cult of some sort, but you know. Yeah. Good night. Good to see you later, babe. Any matter. What do you know about any matter? Let me ask you that question. Any matter is uh, matter oh. like regular matter, except it has an opposite charge. So instead of a electron, you have an anti-electron, which has a positive charge, mm-hmm. but the mass of an electron. And same thing for a proton. It's an anti-proton, which has a negative charge, but the same mass as a proton. Very close. You're missing a key point, but you're very, very close. Close enough that I would give you a B. Okay. On a test. Uh, uh, let me think if I could uh, talk about what else can I talk. What else do I know about it? I don't know what anti neutrons would be if there are a thing. Or there if, are. Yeah. 
I don't know what that means. Um, I don't think I know anything else about antimatter. Okay, so antimatter, like you said, is charge reversed or mm-hmm. charge uh, reverse matter, but it's also parity reversed. Okay. So I'm not parity sure I know enough about parity is uh, the easiest way I can explain parity is if you look at yourself in a mirror. Okay. It's a different parity. So your right looks like your left. Your left looks like your right. Okay. And if you look at something that's moving clockwise in a mirror, it looks like it's moving clockwise. It can't counterclockwise in the mirror. So if you're talking about, like, spin of quarks and Mm -hmm. particles and things like that, I guess that's what you mean is parity? Yeah. So, in fact, like, uh, there are... Where spin is not really spin. Yes. It's the word that is a good analogy for what the particle does, but it's it's not spinning. It's angular momentum. Okay. But it's not spin like you would classically think of as rotation. It's a quantum thing that has to do with quantized angular momentum, but also is based on which way you measure it. So if you measure, for example, like, okay, let's say you measure the Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were saying, you know, what way is it spinning? It's pretty obvious. Okay, it's spinning around an axis, mm-hmm. and it's spinning, you know, in, the, in this way. Uh, and whereas if you do it with a particle, you can measure it in X, Y, and Z, and you get a spin one way or the other. Does that mean it's, it's somehow spinning in all three possible mm-hmm. conical directions? How does that work? You can't think of it like that is basically the answer. You can't imagine spin as spin. <laughs> it's it's an unfortunate name, but it's stuck. But there is handedness of particles, uh, and that is also kind of sort of nebulous, but there are right-handed and left-handed particles. For example, a left-handed electron has something called weak isospin, or sorry, a weak hypercharge, uh, a right-hand electron does not. Um, so that's just weird. Why would that be the case? So if I, so, a left-handed electron has weak isospin, a right-handed anti-electron has weak isospin. Okay. And left-handed does not. So the parity is different. Uh, in, in, in fact, there are no right-handed, as far as we can tell, we've not been able to detect any right-handed neutrinos. All neutrinos are left-handed. All anti-neutrinos are right-handed. Okay. So there's this parity difference. What if our universe is the anti-universe? It's just a label we put on things, right? So there's no reason why it couldn't be. The... The question to antimatter, we obviously detect it. We see it all the time. It's it's, it's something that happens all the time. It, it happens because of conservation. Because when, for example, when a uh, if um, if you lose a charge, you got to maintain the charge has to be equalized. Mm-hmm. Just, it, anyway, it, get, it gets complicated, but it, essentially, it's something that, that we see all the time. But all we see around us is ma- is what we call matter. 
and we don't see a big amount of antimatter. And here's the problem with that. According to our laws of physics, when everything was created, it should have been created equally because that's mm-hmm. what we see. When when there, if you there's something called the baryon asymmetry problem. Baryon number is conserved, which means you can't. It's why a proton in the standard model can't decay. There's no, there's nothing that it can. Uh, there's no lighter thing that it can decay into, and you can't just get rid of a proton because that is a baryon number of one. You have to uh, annihilate it with a with an antiproton that has a baryon number of negative one, turning into zero. You can't just get rid of a baryon. Leptons have the same thing. But baryons are important here because we think that when the Big Bang happened, the way that the symmetry works... Antiproton? Antiproton. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. When you said... I was hearing photon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. And I was like, wait, anti-photon? Like, never mind. And photons are, are major antiparticles. Yeah. They, they, that it doesn't really matter for, for, for photons. Right, right. And I didn't think it did. And then I thought you said it, and then I was confused, <laughs> and I reinforced the, my mishearing. A photon and, is its own antiparticle. And then I even said way. the wrong word without yeah. realizing I was saying the wrong word, so... But so according to our symmetry laws and according to everything we understand about the universe, there should have been an equal amount of mm-hmm. baryons and antibaryons created. Because that's how the universe works. Right. Where are all the antibaryons? We don't know. I mean, my best stupid hypothesis is that there's pockets in the universe and it's splotchy. No, that That's a legit hypothesis people have proposed. But the thing is, even in interstellar space, there is dust and there is things and we would see as things collide we would see gamma ray bursts you know because mm-hmm. when when the baryons interact with an antibaryon or or let's say because like a, a proton and anti-neutron won't interact you need to have a proton well, they may <laughs> a proton and an and a and a positron won't won't really do anything to each other. You have to have an exact opposite. So an mm-hmm. anti-proton and a proton. That's the only way you get annihilation. Uh, but when you do that, you get high energy gamma ray, and we don't see that. Like, we should see that all the time. If there was pockets of antimatter mm-hmm. elsewhere, we should see huge bursts of, of you know gamma rays all over, and we right. just don't see that elsewhere, anywhere. So, again, where's all the antimatter? It should have been created in equal amounts. Right. So I think what you're saying is it's probably, probability-wise, unlikely that the antimatter segregated away and there's not an interface that we can observe. Right. Yeah, it doesn't... Based on our observations, that that does not hold true. Mm-hmm. It, it, we, we should... When... when you have a strong reason to expect there to be evidence for something, and you don't see it. You you, you haven't heard heard the thing, you know, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. That's not necessarily true. If you should expect to see it, based on how you understand the universe to work, based on how we understand the universe to work, we should absolutely expect to see tons of collisions, all, it just, mm-hmm. just lit up. Yeah. This guy lit up with that, and we don't. 
So that's not a good answer okay. to the Baryon asymmetry question. There is a proposal. It, it, it was taken somewhat seriously at the time, and you know when new proposals come out, you you should take them a little seriously. And then, but it sort of lost its its serious, which is the idea that uh, anti-matter is matter going backwards in time. Because if you think about it, an electron has this charge mm-hmm. and has this sort of chirality. Uh, oh, if you reverse time, and if you reverse time, it mirrors all the things. Right. It's very Superman. Um, but that's not taken serious, super seriously. But there, but it's still like, can that work? And here's the thing. <laughs> the question is, does it solve more problems than any other solution? Well, here's the thing. If that were the case, then you would expect that antimatter would demonstrate anti-gravity. If something is falls in, in, in... Well, okay, so you have photons which uh-huh. don't play in this game right. right they do not play this game so if matter is going backwards in time you photon should too mm. well that, they don't experience okay that, that's really weird yeah, they should move back time doesn't time is right. not something that photons yeah okay i get it okay yeah. so what does that mean though like it A, tra- a photon is traveling, and it Don't, doesn't experience time. Okay. You shouldn't really think of photons as traveling. They're glued to the background. It, okay. It's hard for me to get into right. why, but one of the consequences you might think of of, of the backwards in time is, is anti-gravity. It's not the only reason why people have been thought that there might be a potential for antimatter to be anti-gravity. Uh, but it... It was something that that was very hard to to see because there's a real problem the the scale of the interactions when you're talking about particles is ridiculously oh. large compared to the interactions that they have with gravity. Mm-hmm. So how do you tell? Like when you're talking about electric, you know, yeah, if you only have a microgram of of you know um, anti helium, you don't even have that much. You have a couple particles. Well, I mean, if you've ma- they've manufactured micrograms, so. but not not in a way that you could even like. They 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 have, but like not. Anyway, it, it, it's it's difficult for me to get into. And it. How you, like how do you? I guess if you have known masses on both sides, kind of balance, you'd be able to measure anti gravity, right? Well, so be this repulsive force. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of reasons why anti gravity. Seems ridiculous, but it was one of those things that everyone sort of assumed that antimatter should respond to gravity just the same way that matter does. Because everything that we know about antimatter is that it's just as we call it CP charge parity reverse matter, and there's nothing else to it. It it otherwise is exactly the same as matter. You can just flip the labels around, mm-hmm. uh, so it should respond to gravity in exactly the same way. But how do you test that? There recently was. A test at CERN that finally did. They they were able to do this. They have this uh, this sort of um, 
semi-magnetic trap that be, the, the problem with the, with, the, with the full magnetic trap is that you have the magnetic field is 30 times 30 orders of magnitude stronger than gravity so you can't just use that because gravity is so weak but you could trap a bunch of like a gas of of particles in this and then release it and see which way the majority goes because some of it's going to be obviously moving up some of it's going to be moving down but the majority should if we do it with helium for example uh the majority goes down because of gravity and a few you know a smaller percentage goes up because they bounced off of things and moved up but most of them is being pulled down by gravity and this is what they were able to do with antimatter the same thing, same experiment basically uh they collected so they sort of bottled up a bunch of mm-hmm. anti-helium and then released it and yeah most of it fell down so indeed antimatter responds the same to gravity that, that matter does a neat really cool experiment yeah yeah I can imagine when I mean, you said like I, I know how much you know antimatter exists right and yeah like, that's not much gravity so like the sensors that detect well, well, do you know what the ratio was, like, detection-wise for I, that? I, I mean, it's got to be, like... It was something on the order, and, and I don't remember the exact numbers, mm-hmm. but something on the order of 70-30. That's better than I would have... Yeah, I mean, I guess 50-50 if it was non-reacting. Right. And it was the exact same that they got for mm-hmm. regular matter. So, yeah. so it behaved in exactly the same way. So... That just reinforces the idea that, yeah, antimatter is not special. It it reinforces more of the mystery. Why don't we see antimatter everywhere? Mm-hmm. This big problem of baryon asymmetry, why does it happen? There are some things we have found, some processes that can that do seem to favor matter over antimatter according to some really weird nuclear processes, but mm-hmm. not nearly enough to explain the universe that we see. Like, it, it, if just, it did, it, Actually, if it did exhibit anti-gravity, that would help with the whole why there's no collisions kind of thing. You know? I mean, there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of weird things that yeah. that would introduce uh, because anti-gravity really doesn't make sense um, there's too much about how we understand gravity and how we understand how that works with the rest of the universe to have anti-gravity actually be a reasonable thing. If anti-gravity was real, then perpetual motion would be real. The argument... I'm not making the direct connection, but there is an mm-hmm. argument that you could show okay. that that would be true. Um, and... So things that would be anti-gravity would be propelled further away from gravity and faster and faster. And mm-hmm. like you could then yeah. use that to create a perpetual motion machine. There's a lot of reasons why it was absolutely expected that antimatter would behave like gravity. But you don't know until you test it. Yeah. And you kind of love when the work is put in and, yep, there it is. Right there on the paper, 
right there in the experiment, right there mm-hmm. in the data. It's the same. It doesn't answer questions about asymmetry. Asymmetry, but it does say, yeah, this is sort of working like how we expected it to. So opens more questions, mm-hmm. answers some questions. It's a beautiful experiment. It's a beautiful thing to see when you know when when you are spending time to confirm your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Spending time to say, "All right, this is how we think it works," but let's fucking test it because we don't know until we actually test it. Yeah, for sure. That's my that's antimatter. Spiel. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Thank you. We will talk to you another time.